circle, yes, we rotate 360 degrees, high, high, 360 degrees, high, high, 306, 306, 360 degrees, high, high, Buenas noches and welcome to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine produced by members and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. Broadcasting from KPFA and Huchin occupied Ohlone territory, also known to settlers as the Bay Area. Tonight, I invite you all to listen in to a conversation I had with the transnational Bay Area-based social practice artist collective known as We the People. The group is named after an anthology of essays on cultural identity by Jose Antonio Busiaga. That's tonight on Full Circle, and I am your host, Sentient Shiloh B, also known as DJ Lowe, from Huchin Occupied Ohlone Territory, known to settlers as Fruitvale in Oakland. Grab your preferred evening beverage and get comfortable as I transport you to our Zoom living room discussion on art, social change, immigration, and belonging here on KPFA. And welcome back to Full Circle on KPFA 94.1 FM and kpfa.org. I am your host tonight, Cynthia and Shiloh B. And before I get into We the People, let me start with a shout out to all the mamas and grandmamas. Hey, thank you for all the ways you mother us all the two-leggeds, the four-leggeds, and my winged families. And may Sunday honor and love you all up because you deserve it. Thanks, mamas. Tonight, I am sharing a conversation I had with the interdisciplinary social practice group, We the People. Irene, Jesse, Nivi, Michael, and Oscar collaborate to create narratives of their diverse, contradictory, multifaceted experience living in the United States. I first witnessed this with their project called Homing. Their discussion focused on the idea of home from the perspective of an immigrant. Home as a dream, a search, and a struggle. And I was really inspired to discuss how to dream a new reality into being after watching their collaborative artistic process. Listen in to the origin story of We the People. Thank you so much for being here. And I would love it if you would each one of you, if we could just kind of go around in the circle and talk about how you how you became a member of this collective, We the People. Hi, Charlotte. Thanks for having us. My name is Nivedata. I met Jason Seo, the one who initiated the whole collective and at the time of the pandemic. We're all alumni from SFAI, San Francisco Art Institute, and that's the beginning for me with the group. I'll pass it on to Irene. Thanks again, Shiloh. And uh, yes, as as Nivi was saying, Jusun, we call her. Jesse was kind of the, uh, for me, the initiator and the person who invited us each individually. At the time, I was teaching at SFAI, and so when when Jesse first approached me, I was I misunderstood, and I thought that she was asking me for advice as a professor. And so it took me a couple of meetings to realize, oh no, I'm actually being invited to 
collaborate and participate in this. So that was really exciting to me uh, to see that we were a very uh, diverse group of people, not only uh, from our origin stories in terms of ethnicity and race, but also um, generationally and from an experience point of view, right? We were really looking beyond stereotypes and, and, and homogeneity. So I will pass it on to Jusun. I'm Jesse or Jason, whatever you want to call me, Jesse. Like Nivi and Irene said, at the moment when I was thinking about the collective, I was still enrolled at San Francisco Art Institute, having the class with one of my professors from SFAI, Timothy Berry. And I had the idea of making green cards project, like just questioning about like, what is green cards? And then what's the meaning of green card? What is the American dream behind the green card? I'm a green card holder. And I was thinking just about my story and I was talking with Tim. He told me like, what if you ask other people's stories? And I was very interested in like hearing other people. Now we've been working together more than like a year. And again, thank you for inviting us. I'll pass to Michael. Hello, uh, I'm Michael. I am involved with We The People through uh, Jesse. She's a painter and I'm a photographer. Um, but printmaking is where the merger happens. It's been an, an interesting ride for sure. I, I enjoy being in, in the group, getting to express myself as opposed to in my photography, I don't use myself as, as my subject. And, and to be candid, probably the scariest thing I've, I've ever done <laughs> is putting myself out there that way and, and in my work. So as, as we progress as a group, and it's interesting to see where the projects are gonna go and how rapidly they might turn out. And I'll turn it to uh, Oscar now. So my name is Oscar Lopez and, and I'm part of the We The People as well. As I think all of us, we, we got called by Jesse the Glue. Uh, that's the person who put us together. And something that also make us part of this group is that we are a part of the San Francisco Institute. I did my undergrad and I was doing my grad when the pandemic hit, everything went down the hill <laughs> for the for the school too. But I think that the, the main reason for me to be here and how I got here is because of the opportunity to be at the San Francisco Art Institute at the end of the day, because of the same institution and Jesse, we got together. In the beginning of our project, we did meet through the Zoom because of the pandemic. You know, like everyone brought like one topic each week and then we did talk about it, which generated like different projects. Now we're leading to more organic conversation every week. Senti and Shiloh B here sharing stories of social practice, art, visibility, belonging, and life on KPFA 94.1 FM and kpfa.org for Full Circle. And you have been listening to my conversation with the core members of the artist collective We The People. They are interested in a diverse and broad definition of the American experience. They self-define as minorities, immigrants, legal aliens, and Americans. Their common language is English, but they also speak the language of their places of origin. They describe themselves as cultural linguistic hybrids who invent new words every day, words spoken in Spanglish, Chinglish, and Konglish. They grew up with older relatives who speak English with a thick accent who wear their otherness in every syllable they utter. Yet they are also the people of these United States of America, 
the ones referred to in our Constitution. Of the five voices you just heard, the first was the interdisciplinary artist Nevi, who was followed by Irene, an artist, educator, and curator, and next was Jason, aka Jesse, who was a printmaker and painter, and also the instigator of this group, which was inspired by her project investigating the relationship between having a green card and the American dream. Michael, a photographer, followed Jesse, and the last voice in the mix was Oscar, who referred to Jesse as the glue. To find out more about We the People, please visit our website, kpfaapprentice.org, after the show. Let's rejoin my conversation with We the People, talking about what it is to be a transnational artist. The clip starts with Nivi noting how art is a space to question identity and ends with Jesse remembering Maya's description of the group as existing in a liminal space, the space in between. What I'm hearing from you instead is that it was a project that you were working on with the green card based on your own personal experience. And then you knew a bunch of other artists who also were having interactions, at least with like the U.S. immigration system. And so that it just kind of evolved organically. So one of the things that I also thought was really interesting is this idea of being a transnational artist and the fact that I mean, especially in these times, right, like climate change, COVID-19, global pandemic, the extreme individualism that is um, really woven into the fabric of this imperialistic power and nation state, right, of the U.S. and settler colonialism and all of that. I'm wondering if each one of you could kind of talk about what it means to be a transnational artist navigating and negotiating this current time right now and how um, being in the collective helps or interacts with that in any way? That's a good question. Transnational is um, something I was also thinking about uh, recently. It was a conversation I had with someone who asked me like, do you consider yourself Indian? Um, And I was thinking about, you know, art being that space where we question these very well-defined identities and the possibility of, uh, you know, looking beyond these boundaries that are set around citizenship or this identity of belonging somewhere. For me, that's that's what's exciting, the possibilities of imagining uh, beyond these boundaries. I actually wanted to circle back, if I may, just for a second, the essays from Jose Antonio Murciaga and how they came into our influence or, or they influenced us. And uh, so Jose Antonio Murciaga was a an artist in residence in Stanford at Stanford University back in the 80s, I believe. He was a really prolific artist. He was a great writer and a poet and a, a performance artist as well. And we all in different ways kind of looked at his work and one of his books uh, an anthology of of musings on uh, the word chicano and what it was to be a chicano in the 80s is called we the people and it's misspelled right and in uh, kind of in this phonetic latino accented uh, language. So the way in which it mainly inspired us was in our name. He was looking at language and at I- identity in a similar way to how we were talking about it. You know, 30 years later, the conversation continues. But to come back to your question about being a transnational artist and how does that affect me as an artist individually and as part of a collective, 
I find that that hyphenated American, in my case, Costa Rican American, is, uh, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing because I, or I'm actually um, plagiarizing the words of Roberto Lovato, uh, who wrote Unforgetting, this, this wonderful book about being a Salvadorian American. And he talks about that hyphen as his own personal San Andreas fault, and that it constantly shakes him to the core uh, when he doesn't know how to define himself or when he has anxiety as to how he is being seen and what his role is in the United States and uh, who he is in, in relationship to others. Always felt that, sometimes as a positive, sometimes as a negative, but it's definitely very much on my skin, right on the surface of, of just about every interaction I have. And it definitely permeates my uh, personal artwork. Um, what I found beautiful about working in a group is I found strength. And I found that there were ideas that I had wanted to try out, that I was a little bit uh, hesitant to try it on my own, that I was much more uh, comfortable trying out feeling the strength of other artists by my side. That was awesome, Irene. Uh, in my case, it's really interesting that you, you mentioned identity. And I think something that, for me, uh, start to make sense in being an international artist is when you start to pay attention outside of your comfort zone. Having the questions where you came from, so one of the questions that I got when I moved to the United States, just going back to where I came from originally, I have the question all the time. And in Mexico, we have this tendency to be more classist than racist, which is hand to hand, right? And, and always that if you came from a poor neighborhood, rather than you come from a rich neighborhood, it makes a huge difference for, I don't know what reason, when the quality of the person is different, right? probably is because the expectations and the narratives that we have been made in our minds as, as individuals create difference. And I have that questions when I was in Mexico. I formally started my training as an artist, as a graffiti artist, which is a political global movement about injustices and how poor neighborhoods have, have seen repression and being oppressed by the lack of, of help from the government. Um, you you want to say it in in huge broad terms, but when I moved to the United States, these where you came from start to be a little bit more intense. It, it wasn't with the same uh, cadence and with the same question mark at the end. It, it was in a in a more derogative way, and also like pointing fingers that you you coming from another place that is not here. That's therefore you don't belong here. And my, my artistic view start to shape because of that. I have the privilege when you, you are an artist, you also became not just an observant, but a participant. And, and that's actually really accurate on my case. Uh, as a Mexican-American or Mexican in this case, I'm, I'm participant of, of, of what, what is being an immigrant what is being a dreamer, and I can observe from the outside and at the same time knowing what is being that. And, and it's the same thing when, when back in, in my own country, I was questioning the responsibility and the, the opinion that we have about the United States from the outside. And now being in America, the opinion of the United States that I have. When I was in Mexico, I didn't question so many things about my own country. Now when I'm, I'm, I'm from the outside and I can see it from far away, you know, it, it really gives me this sense 
of really observe rather than look and really analyze and question not just in my personal work, but in this case as a collective too. Because now we, I have more than just my personal point of view, I have everyone else around me that inform me more about the stuff that I don't know. Being a transformational artist, I think is still a big question in my art practice. Um, before I came to this with a people collective, I think, I was, my art practice was very individualistic, just by myself, I think. And I think I did learn a lot about like collaboration work from Rita People Collective. And that's kind of like connect to the question, like who I am. I think this is like always every question to every human. What am I? Who am I? Where do I belong? And that's like human psychology that they want to belong to somewhere, right? And as a person who immigrated to another country, it was like always my question, like, where do I belong? Like, do I belong here? Do I belong in this community? For my case, I did come to the United States about 11 years ago. And then I think my family is still stuck at this Korean culture from 11 years ago. I don't know if I do belong to a specific group or community, or I'm just lingering around like two different communities. That's how I feel. And with our people, ourselves also talk a lot about the language, how we do choose the word or how we talk and how we culturally accept like different languages, just communication with people. It's always leading to one question about like, the classification and um, identification through my personal work and also through our collaborative work. How can I define this through through visual work or visual voice? I think it's fun working congruently, like in conversation with in conversation with common goals. Meaning that we'll each have like a project, for example, and, and we'll each tackle the project together each curated by each artist in the group. And I, I think it's unique because um, it's not like getting a group of bankers together. It's not that kind of common goal. So it's interesting to, to work through concepts. I like to challenge them with abstract or sometimes micro concepts. So it's cool to get unique perspectives and not just um, people I'm comfortable with. And how it interacts, I would say it's definitely given me a stronger focus in perspective of myself, which is a challenge. Um, sometimes I, re I reveal per a, a person I don't like, but sometimes I, re I reveal a person I love. That's a challenge. I'm not a green card holder. I I'm born in the United States, however, I'm from South Texas, so I subscribe to the Tejano culture. So I feel like being Tejano and being a veteran it gives me kind of a, a unique perspective because I, I also do live in that in-between with um, what Laura Aguilar used to call dual consciousness. So I get to explore that. And it's kind of funny how Irene talks about hyphenation because I believe in being unhyphenated and that, that's what I used to preach in, in person um, is unhyphenating us because we're all just simply Americans, period. And I think being in the group allows me to cement myself into the American narrative. I'm, I'm like being woven into not just the narrative, but but the architecture now of the United States. And overall, I feel like I've grown as a person. And this has definitely uniquely enriched my human experience, for sure.
I think it's 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 all these perspectives that we have that when we're actually working together, we're coming from like these different positions, and some of all some of our ideas challenge each other's uh, positions, and that that kind of makes it a more complex narrative, which which I think is interesting for each of us in terms of growing as an artist or to consider these different positions is is quite enriching. If I may piggyback on that, we don't shy away from being from having different opinions, right? Uh it would be extremely boring if we did. We very often talk about the fact that we create a safe environment, but we're not safe. We don't want to stay safe. We create a safe environment in which to look at our differences, our opinions, our uh, diverging thoughts. And, and the safety is in the fact that we're going to honor everyone's voice. The safety is not in that we're not going to try and, and, and start a discussion, right? If anything, that's where a lot of really interesting projects come about is when we do have a difference in of opinions, like a hyphen or not, right? Uh, that is where we can really get into some great cultural investigations. Yeah, if, if I want to, I actually want to add to that too. It is really interesting that right now, something that we are we are missing, not just globally, but I think nationally in the, in the, in the United States is that we don't list, listen to each other. Right? We don't have to like always agree in order to coexist, but we have to understand where we came from, you know, with your beliefs and with everything. And I think in, in this in this collective is something that we always have. And and something that probably is a micro a microorganism you know in this large society, right? But it is a way of a safe zone in a way for us to talk about openly but disagree in the same time. And because of the disagreement, we, we, we look for a common thing that as a collective, we can collaborate and we can formulate ideas and formulate conversations. And I think it's something that is needed out there because here we have a different countries, nationalities, point of view, ages, anything is different here, but we have the opportunity to listen to each other and disagree. And that's okay if we disagree but it's part of the conversation. That's part of the enrichment of, of the group. And I think it's, it's, been, it's been cool. No, you're wrong. No, I'm just kidding. As uncomfortable <laughs> as it gets, I mean, you know, when, when we disagree with each other, I think work comes out of that, art comes out of it. So it's so important that we don't give importance to. And I was just gonna say that when Maya was beautifully described our energy as liminal space. Personally, I think that was beautifully described, like how our experiences have been described like differently, but at the same time, we are sharing our stories. Hey, hey, Bay Area and beyond. You are tuned in to Full Circle, your cultural affairs magazine here on 94.1 FM KPFA and kpfa.org. I am Sentient Shiloh B, aka DJ Lowe. And you are listening to a conversation I had with the artist collective, We the People. Nivi discussed the idea of how art helps us question the boundaries implied in the ideas of citizenship and belonging, and how to imagine beyond those boundaries. And then Irene talked about the hyphen, and really all of us should be hyphenated unless you are part of First Nations, aka Indigenous, and the book of essays she's referring to will be linked as well on kpfaapprentice.org. Oscar talked about the question that has been phrased as an indictment. Where are you from? 
with the implication that you don't belong here and are not from here. He also discussed how living in another country can teach you how to observe on a deeper level rather than just look at your home nation. Jesse talked about the ultimate question for all of us, who am I, what am I, and where do I belong? And Michael talked about being unhyphenated and being outside of our comfort zone. And we finished with how we began with Nivi, Irene, and Oscar discussing the benefits of disagreeing and differences. And Oscar highlights the importance of listening to each other in terms of creating understanding. I hope you all are feeling inspired to check out the collective's work and to share all of you with the people you love, live, and work with. My conversation with We The People continues by diving deeper into belonging, citizenship, and ancestry in this next clip discussing living one story. I I think that's really great and it relates to another thing I really wanted to talk about, which there's two things really. And one of them is about narrative and counter narrative and, and, um, how there's this sort of, um, European washing monolithic description of the United States that is so far from the actual truth, if I'm just being blunt (laughs) and everyone, unless you are indigenous is an immigrant here. And that is another, narrative that is repressed or erased or, you know, um, not recognized in the history and the teaching. And there's this, the power of story, history to redefine and make visible. Like, I think some of you have talked about that in your work too, of, of the actual experience. And it relates to this other idea I have, which is about like the politics of representation and also how there's a difference between fitting in and belonging. You don't agree when you belong. You you agree when you fit in. I think you can build trust when you disagree, right? I can trust your yes if you tell me no sometimes. If you're just always saying what you think I want to hear or, or what you think I mean, then I can't believe that you're really speaking your truth as well. And I think really what it boils down to is what is your story that you want terms of what you said of like we're all Americans what's your American story like I think that's an interesting thing that people need to hear on the radio when they hear this show you know so that they can kind of connect to what you mean so we get out of the theory and into the practice of living it like how do you live your story and or what is your story in that way of belonging how I perceive my American story is um Looking back into my ancestry, so while being in the group, you know, like I mentioned, it's probably the scariest thing I've ever done in my life, like over the army, over everything. I would say this is the scariest thing. So I start looking into, you know, myself. My ancestry traces back to the 13th census in the United States. So I have an uncle that immigrates into the United States, but as he immigrates, he's drafted into World War I. Serves his time. Rest of the family comes through. My grandfather and his youngest brother are both drafted into World War II. However, my grandfather gets out of the army, goes back to being a farmhand, and decides he doesn't want to do that and goes back to the army and ends up serving in the Korean War and the Vietnam War. In comes me. I joined when I'm kind of late, but in my research, I feel like my American narrative is being part of every American world wars. We've literally been in a hundred years of war, so to speak. 
what I've come to learn is that story I've just told you doesn't define my family or its or its origins. It's just just happens to be a part of it. We're more than just that. That is exactly what I'm learning now. My my old I guess narrative in art was trying to overwrite art history and making it more um, a comprehensive understanding of art history. So gender swapping, placing people of color in traditionally like Anglo roles, so to speak. But it felt vain. I, I didn't feel like I was I was telling a story. So I, I felt like the only unique thing and narrative I can come up with would be myself. Being in the group definitely strength, strengthened that for sure. And I, and I feel like a group like this is also part of my American experience. I feel like this is like what a perfect utopia would look like to me. I love that. I love that it's like a perfect utopia and it's the scariest thing. And so I'm wondering two things just to follow up and then I would love to pose the same question to other folks too, is um, why, what is scary about it? And then could you describe the piece that you made about the hundred years of war? What's scary about it is literally putting myself out there. And, and so I, I like my privacy, you know, telling a story. I used to argue with Irene all the time that, that I didn't have a story to tell. She convinced me I did. And then I started arguing that, well, it's not for you, it's for me. And she convinced me that it's not just for me, it's and it's not just for her even, it's, it's for more people. And and started to like, okay, let, let me see what I can reveal about myself. And I started following Laura Aguilar as that photographer. She's still my favorite photographer. She's passed away some time ago. I wanted to be as strong as her, to be as courageous as her, because she used herself. So that's what's scary about it, is using myself. So that's why I feel like okay with it. I feel like I'm, I'm not gonna have any sort of negative relapse, so to speak. I, I suffer with PTSD, so I, I can only imagine what, what my father, my grandfather went through, but he, it, he never revealed it to me. And I don't feel like I reveal it. He never spoke about it. I think that's what's different is I, I do. He allowed me to, to be myself regardless and never really coming to terms with the, the privilege that he granted me with that. You know, as as much as I've revealed in, in our past and our hardships, I feel like I, I, I was privileged, but from his work, coming to terms with what they went through beyond just war, I mean, domestically too. And that's, that's what I'm exploring being in this group. And that's also what's scary too. I think I can share that. It's really interesting in the questioning how you're phrasing it about our American history. Coming from, from Mexico, I can tell you that my American story started way before I actually moved to the United States. Uh, and, and it's not just me, it's a, it's, a, it's a national conflict that we have been next to the United States. Also, the, the misconception that America is, is just the United States is a, is a problem. I, like for me, I'm an American because I live in the continent and I'm from Mexico. Mexico is part of America. But what is the difference between that too is that one is my experience that I want to live, and it's other the experience that they force me to live. It is not it's not a matter of choice sometimes. In my personal work, I have been touched about identity too. The fact that these biases that we have don't allow us to know others, don't allow us to let others live as well. We have all these 
I want to use this word again, all these narratives that we already pre-established people in, in a specific labels or places or jobs that they have to develop or whatever. You know, and, and it's, it's like that too in, in, in Mexico. So this experience of being always under the shadow of this, of this country has been, has been interesting. I have to understand them rather than fight them uh, because it's, it's not up to me. Right. In a personal level, I can I can define my my American experience as a as a big self growth as a person. For me, this experience have been highlighted. It's about invisibility. When you think about it, I, I see that in the in Mexico City architecture, you can see the layers of of you know this uh, pre Hispanic culture and then the non Hispanic and then the uh, post-modern and now this all this craziness in one building. Sometimes I see myself like that. Learn about, more about art in English than in Spanish and stuff like that. I start to be really, you know, concrete on, on, on myself. And the only thing that, that, that makes me feel is more invisible every time. Because we were mentioning about fitting in. It's not possible to have an experience when people don't recognize you or when the people don't want to see you. Now, when I go back to Mexico, I speak Spanish with an accent. And when you are in the United States and then you speak with an accent, you're an immigrant. And just because you are an immigrant, you have that bad connotation when, you know, it's not the case. So, so the American experience to me has been being really important for self-value and understand who I am and really be proud where I came from and what I know and also to be able to do something for others. Because at the end of the day, others can see you only when you do something for them, but you are not a good Mexican if you don't do that, right? So the, the work in visibility starts to be really reflected on, on me in, in the American experience. And I see that with my brothers and sisters as a Native American. They have been invisible for since the beginning, put it aside with the voting rights, like in Georgia, and people is being invisible. They, they want to like erase, erase the rights, erase opportunities. So invisibility is the word that we'll use for me to describe the American experience. I kind of want to comment. I really want to introduce like really quickly about American language that we presented last season. Um, it was the video work that Vivian Vivas curated. And one of the conversations we had was, we don't want to represent our own culture. That was our, our conversations, pretty like happy conversations. I am identified as Korean on my passport and the driver license and all the documents. Maybe Niverita is identified as Indian, Oscar is identified as Mexican. We had a question about like label on us, like impose on us like how does that how does that impact our own lives and then do we want to tell ourselves as just one label as well through our works do i want to tell my stories while i'm saying i'm korean do i want to like tell my stories imposing on their stories we didn't want that what i want to make the point let me hear is what we are telling is this is our own story this is not for other people, other people have their different story, and we don't want to make this story to bury other stories, if that makes sense. Like, this is our just unique story, and there are other unique stories as well. And that's why we are trying to 
connect to the public. You know, we also really want to hear other people's stories and we really want to connect to the public. And that's how like we're so grateful that we can have this opportunity and also event we had with Maya Defra. Yeah, I mean also the idea of belonging is very complicating for me to think of because if you're belonging somewhere there's always this space that you're occupying for some reason in in our worlds it's like there's an exclusion there's something else that you're defining yourself against to make sense of your identity and and in in that kind of belonging i think there's there's a hierarchy that shows up the beautiful thing about uh, working through all of this thinking through all of these identities or these conversations about identities through art kind of challenges that that perspective like do we are we really belonging when we're defining ourselves um, only only when our identities make sense when we exclude you know other people yeah and, and when we t- talk about immigration also it's it's always talked about there is still exclusion of indigenous identities or uh, native american narratives yeah, i mean maybe that's the beginning of of um, really being critical um of these constructs as a starting point and then revisioning what the possibilities could be of of and accepting these narratives that are possible within these very confined constructs outside mm-hmm. of those constructs or like it I think it's interesting to think about there's this binary. If you if you belong then someone else doesn't or someone else is excluded. And I I want to dig into that a little bit cuz I think that again is part of like colonialism and imperialism and I I think that there's a way that existing collaboratively and honoring the place and the people it could write another story about what belonging means if that makes sense well, i live on ohlone land in in huchin right which people call oakland california and and it's it's also been mexico longer than it's been the us in the history of this place but it's been huchin longer than any of those i think has a um, different way of taking up space and maybe acknowledging that history and that truth can can transform the the idea that belonging is a has to include exclusion of others i i wanted to to go back to what i just heard you say shilo about the land that we inhabit and who is here and do we call it right what what name should it have and i very often think about uh layers or core samples right uh, not only physical core samples but emotional intellectual core samples of of cultures and how you know when you travel to other countries you see the influence of one culture you know and 100 years later or 200 or 500 years later you see again through art you see the the next wave of cultural merging appropriation assimilation whatever you want to call it right humanity is aggressive um but art leaves traces that each one of these waves of of change of one group 
uh, colliding with another or smushing another leaves traces and those traces is in many ways what we call art. The amazing part of that is that art lets us see the traces and maybe heal and understand. One of the things that I find really problematic about the Americas is the erasure that colonialism created. Uh, so it leaves us with this like disjointed understanding of even ourselves. Uh, but we were already here and our ancestors were already here. For me, uh, one of the interesting things would be to be able to honor those layers and not erase them, accept them. And I don't have to be happy uh, about one wave of invasion that did this and that and the other and I know about the aggression of invasion and I know about the aggression of how all this has worked historically but I think that the really dangerous part is the erasure because then we don't if we don't understand history it's going to be really hard to understand ourselves and and work towards a better future yeah and going back to narrative like you said I mean it's not the linear narrative it's it's the linear narrative is what causes the problem and it's all these multiple narratives that are actually coming together which we're all trying to make sense of it's the linearity that we need to be critical about it's that construction of history i think i think that has been one of the major problems right that we always hear and understand and have been taught history from one perspective and and that is the only truth and just the truth but this multiple multiple point of views is multiple ways of of seeing history and being aware of that and learning that is also question that the, the truth that we know when the truth it can be false even the truth can be not right learn how to live with that is important and understand that this is your wake-up call allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for some. Senti and Shiloh here sharing stories of social practice, art, visibility, belonging, and life on Full Circle, your cultural affairs magazine here on KPFA. 94.1 FM. 
and kpfa.org. And you have been listening to my conversation with the core members of the artist collective, We the People. Oscar said, we don't have to agree to coexist. And he also talked about the need to really listen to each other. Are there any people in your life, listener, that you have not really been listening to because you disagree? What is your American story? Michael said part of his story is being part of a hundred years of U.S. wars, and that is not all. Jesse explained a bit about American language, the video project led by Vivian Beavis, and how the collective wants to tell their unique story and to hear from the public what your American story is. Nivi asked us all to really be critical of these constructs around identity, history, belonging, and immigration. And then she asks, will you re-envision what belonging could be to hold multiple contradictory viewpoints simultaneously? Do you have any visions you would like to share with KPFA or The Collective or with me, your host? Be sure to reach out. Irene discusses the healing power of art and the problematic erasure created by colonialism, and it ended with a mashup from the video piece, American Language, which again, check out our website, kpfaapprentice.org, for all the links and to learn more about We the People and the individual artists in the collective. American Language is a performance art video creation by Vivian Mebus, and it deconstructs the oversimplified categorizations and labels imposed on immigrants while showing the codified bias of how we learn the culture. Next up, we hear about home and acceptance in our last clip from the interview. And of course, please check out our website after this show for more info on all the things, we the people and beyond. I feel like as a collective, what I'm ga- get gathering from this is that you're doing that right now multiple threads in the same space and place and time having five different experiences and and dreaming and discussing and disagreeing about all of that I mean that's what's so beautiful there's always multiple perspectives that even one human has let alone six of us here in this zoom room (laughs) this relates to homing which is what started this whole journey of us getting together in the first place right is this idea and also related to belonging of like all of you is welcome here even the messy parts or the parts you don't like or the parts you don't really want to show or that are scary to show right so i would love to talk about how you're coming home in this collective and how maybe even you yourself are welcoming that what came to mind was the word journey uh, and how I was raised in a very a, a traditional Costa Rican Latin American framework and, and in fact I remember very often I would be told you know that's really not the place of a of a woman and and quiet down and you know your place is to look pretty and be by the side of your husband and your family and and I bought it I bought it for a while or at least let's say I outwardly bought it. SFAI was the first place where I realized that my voice was actually were welcome. And so I found fertile ground to express who I really was and to not conform, to not be a person that fit into this box that had been preordained for me. But I still felt slightly uncomfortable about having followed that traditional journey for a while in my life. So when I think of acceptance, it's more 
an acceptance of myself with the person in the mirror. Like Nivi just said, nothing is linear. It's not that clean. It's not that easy. My history is not written in a line. And through SFAI, through interactions like what we have here, I, I think I'm learning that. It's still a process. That's totally exactly how I'm thinking and feeling too. I feel like I have very problematic and romantic reflections and understandings of what I, what at least what I perceive to be American. Very shorthandedly summarize it, like per perpetuating, you know, male Latino stereotypes. So, you know, like I mentioned earlier, we're, we're more than just that. I'm not necessarily being ashamed of that, that history. Cause I'm definitely not. I, I guess I'm starting to learn to understand what my dad used to say is that it, it was just a job. He wasn't like a proud vet or anything like that. And I think I think I, I, I am starting to understand what stereotypes that I grew up with. So those are things I, I want to shake off. And, and like Jesse said, we're, we don't like represent our cultures and we're not the ambassadors. We're just telling our, our perspective. We just so happen to be these people with these origins as well. That kind of shoehorns us into how we all fit in together. We definitely wear different size shoes to conceptually describe. So it, it's uh, interesting to see how different and how wide our strides are, but still being able to, uh, just to paraphrase, like still march in line together and still be, strengthen each other, uh, empower each other with being in line with each other, being that we're so diverse. I, I like to say, and I used to preach this a lot, that, that the group practices what, what I personally like to call the age of acknowledgement. Tolerance is like, I don't like it, but I'm okay with it. And then there's using words like acceptance is, it, it's like being defeated. If you can't beat them, join them. That's not how I feel like the group is either. If we are in this age of acknowledgement. Like Nivi said, sometimes we disagree on things, but I mean, we're still here. We still meet every Friday and, and we're still working towards a common goal and still in conversation that's relevant to that goal. That's how we all fit in together, contributing to a, a pretty unique conversation. I think for me, homing, like the word has a feeling to it. It's, 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 it's a sense of calmness, more like uh, at peace. And I relate so much to what Irene and Michael are saying. I remember around the time of the pandemic, there was this, I was very angry. I was very angry at how, how uh, things were happening in India. There was all this strife happening and I was very vocal about it. And I was shouting out into empty space on Instagram. <laughs> and there was, it wasn't a good place to be. And then the group happened, Veda Pepo happened. And uh, I remember our initial conversations. There was anger in all of our conversations in being unhappy about where America was. And then we slowly, I think, organically transitioned to start, start making work and really reflecting on topics of identity and language and history. And there were, there were times that we didn't agree with each other. It wasn't easy times. I think we were moments when we were loudly disagreeing with each other, but also we came together again to make, make work. I think that's, that was what taught me that maybe this anger can be turned into something more productive. Maybe it's a dialogue. Maybe we can try to understand each other. And that's what homing means for me. When I'm able to reach out to the other person and understand each other, when we understand each other, and there's a settling, there's a feeling of peace in that. And I think I did learn a lot of 
the eyes of cri criticism from FFAI and where people made myself like to be more jumping into this conceptual idea. One challenge from Wira people discussion was I found myself struggling between conceptualism, aesthetic, and critique. All these different like principles of art just challenged me a little bit. Like when we started making a conversation about it, I found myself that I become like more emotional, more attached, and like more myself. I'm just becoming myself when it comes to the widow people. So that's that's one thing for sure. Like every Friday, sometimes it's very like challenging to come to this every week, contributing like those two hours is, is a challenge sometimes. Um, but sometimes it's like really, I need it. I need to have people to talk about like what I'm interested in, feel like I'm finding my roots in this, in this group. I think we need like two more hours to really talk about it. <laughs> It, it is it is really interesting to, to even think about the meaning of homing as a word and homing as the the art show that we have. But I think for me, I, I want to speak for myself. But I think home is a place where you can you can sleep and rest, you can eat and be happy, you can wake up and you can feel safe. And I think this this group has been that. Uh, and at the same time, you want to put it in a bigger scheme, as we were talking about, you know, the United States also has given me that. My dad says always to me, you know, la vida, la vida se hace donde se pase, no donde se nace. Meaning, you will live your life where you are, not where you were born. And no matter where you go, you have to, you have to understand, you have to respect, and you have to work. I have been carrying that with me all along. I have been respectful and learning and sharing. And if I have food, I will share food too, which food is love. Having that moment of peace in a either a virtual room like this right now, or in a room that we have been together, it, it has been that. We have been respect each other. We, we really look out for each other. We listen to each other. We share the same food and we share the same roof. Homing is that for me, you know, listening and be I will not say conform, but be aware and understand and to really value the place and the moment. How are you dreaming culture into being? And I feel like this conversation just did that. And the way that you all talk about that is that. And, and that's really like the story here. There is the linear time which we are navigating and everyone has responsibilities. And I really thank you for your time. and being like brave enough to come here and and it sounds like you all are listening for understanding with each other not to agree but but just to understand and it helps you understand yourself more um, and understand the human condition we are messy I feel very grateful about spending this time with you so thank you very much if I'm not mistaken Shiloh you said that your your program is called full circle when we were talking with Maya and, and working on this exhibition, we kept on talking about uh, the circle as this democratizing space, the circle uh, that we had created, that I kind of love the idea that we come to a circle and that within that circle, there's hope, there's love, there's food, there's nurturing, there's drama, but there's also possibilities, right? In that drama, there's possibilities. 
So for me, uh, homing also kind of means that that beckoning to the circle, and not just for us who form the core of We the People, but uh, for anyone who's interested in participating and joining and talking to us. And and just to add to that, being in a circle, everyone has the same opportunity to share and talk. I believe in in this in this circle for one reason: things are not linear, and when you know that everyone who is around you is the same as you. You put yourself on the ground, remembering that it's no one better than you, and you are no better than anyone else. We are just people, and when we humanize that feelings, many things will will change. So the circle is a wonderful thing if we really understand it. Hopefully, we'll run into other circles and exchange human experiences. And just like that, we've come to the end of our show tonight on Full Circle, your cultural affairs magazine here on 94.1 FM KPFA and kpfa.org for those of you listening live. Please do check out our website, kpfaapprentice.org to learn more about all the artists and books mentioned tonight, as well as the collective featured, We the People. The entire uncut interview is also there if you didn't get enough and want to hear the entire two hours. Lots of love to We the People, Irene, Jesse, Nivy, Oscar, and Michael. Thank you again. And to our executive producer, Miss M, Joy Moore, our production consultant, Free Will and Franklin, our technical director and my guru, and the Full Circle crew in general as well as myself, Senti and Shiloh, your host tonight. Thanks for listening, everyone, and may love as action continue to move you in all you do in 2022. And as always, thanks for tuning in, and remember to tune in inward to tell the truth about yourself and how you show up in this world, and that disagreeing is where art, love, and trust happen. Stay tuned to KPFA. Up next is La Onda Bajita. Don't you know you better?